This episode is supported by Dove. Over half of the girls around the world suffer from low self-esteem, which causes them to opt out of important life activities and puts their health at risk. The Dove Self-Esteem Project is the world's largest provider of self-esteem education and teaches the next generation to feel comfortable in their own skin by working with schools and parents. Dove has created and uses educational evidence-based resources that are designed to help young girls and boys reach their full potential. They cover topics like bullying and social media to help young people build a positive relationship with the way they look. You can get these printable resources to help increase self-esteem in the young people in your life at dove.ca slash self-esteem. But Alex. Yes, Shane? Let's begin the episode. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree Podcast, episode 70. Big seven zero. We made it. We're here, and we are what? We're tired. We're happy. We're all of the emotions. But we have one heck of a guest. That's true. We have Chloe Wild. So you might recognize her as an eTalk host or from her TV show on Crave Healthy is Hot. She has an Instagram account of the same name where she talks about wellness, about physical health, mental health, and she's recently become a health and life coach. So with Chloe, we talk keeping a positive mindset in the pandemic, what you can do to stay healthy at home. And we talk about our own journeys with health and mental health and wellness, you know, from when we were younger to now and kind of what butthole we've all been tanning is mentioned. Also. Butthole tanning is mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's a great one. And I highly suggest you check it out. If not for the butthole tanning, we had a blast. There ended up being a lot of laughs, a lot more than I thought. I, uh, you know, Chloe's is someone I never thought I'd hear swear, but she's, <laughs> she swears. She likes, she liked it once you broke the seal. Yeah, no. And it's a great interview and I know that you will all love it, but Shane, cheers. Cheers. Indeed. What do we have here? What are we cheersing? Okay. We are cheersing. It's a little tart. Get ready for it. Oh, I like this. All right, we are. You cheer- got the mix right for once. Thank you. So we're choosing a seedlip cucumber. So what it is? It's seedlip garden 108 mixed with I made a cucumber and lemon shrub. So that's like when you, you know, soak them in apple cider vinegar. It kind of pickles the whole thing, and you know, you throw a ton of sugar in there. So oh, okay, no wonder it's <laughs> so darn delicious. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah, and then there's some muddled cucumber there at the bottom, which was my addition. But yeah, it's very delicious. Kudos to you, Alex. You really are going all out. I don't know how you uh, find the time, honestly. Oh, Sometimes you. Some of these days have been pretty rough, especially uh, recently for us. But you really made this look nice, even the little garnish on it. So cute, little cucumber garnish. No, I'm glad you appreciate it because the last drink I made, you said I didn't get the measurements right. It took until like the end of the episode for it to kick in how delicious it was. Yeah, so the, I'm, I'm glad last... this one is good. The last sip on the last one was certainly the best, but the first sip on this one is excellent. <laughs> Good job. But we should move on into the episode unless you have anything else to say. No, no. Go for it, babe. Okay. Kind of a sad way to start, but I thought it would be weird if I didn't mention it. My grandmother died. You know, what a 2021 20, thing to happen. Mm-hmm. So she was 91. She was 91. She was so beautiful. Okay. So the first time I saw Gwen, Shane's grandma, I was floored because Shane looks like her identical twin. Or I guess, what are you, paternal? Fraternal? Well, her mustache was a little bit uh, (laughs) more trimmed and neat than mine. (laughs) No, but you two look so similar. And, you know, I think, how could Shane look like any other family member? 
because you look so much like your grandmother, like your dad's mom. But then, you know, you see other members of your family and you can see resemblances there. But even seeing photos of her now from her youth, and I had never seen these pictures before, and she looks even more like you now. Well, a lot of people say she looks like my sister, too. Like your I, mom, for instance, just left a comment on Instagram but saying I, that. I think that's because they're both women, but I, I actually don't think she looks like your sister. Mm-hmm. I think she looks so identical to you. It's wild to me. Well, appearances aside, um, I wanted to talk about, I was trying to figure out the type of person, like how would I describe my grandma? Because on Mike on Much, I mentioned that she she had died. This other podcast I do at the end, I usually have a segment, and I, I told them that my grandmother died, and they asked me to come up with a story. And uh, to be honest, I really didn't have anything. I felt very put on the spot. And the more I thought about it, and it was like, what is a f- story or a fond memory that I'd have of my grandmother? And I really have nothing even after thinking of it for all this time and it was more of a feeling that my grandma provided um oh, and i don't know if i'm gonna be able to get it out i'm gonna try okay but yeah she was a source of comfort and uh, reliability and stability Fuck. hey everyone this is just a quick editor's note as i was editing the episode i realized it was too hard for the listener to understand what i was saying through my tears so i decided to distill what i was trying to say right now and then we will hop back into the episode as it played out well yesterday it's sunday right now but okay so basically i was saying she was a great source of comfort to me and everyone who knew her walking into her house was kind of like walking into the 80s, she had the that wallpaper and a rotary phone, and it just felt like a simpler time when you went into her house and all your problems kind of melted away. She was also a great storyteller, and, and the main subject of most of those stories was my grandfather. And although he died 20 years ago, it still almost felt as though he was alive through those stories, which is why I think the finality of it all hit me so hard yesterday when I originally tried to record this, because... In a lot of ways, it felt like and feels like I'm losing both grandparents at once because she was really the only one who could tell those stories. Anyway, I love you, Gwyneth May Cunningham. I hope to see you again someday, and let's get back to the episode. But yeah, uh, another thing my grandma was, and excuse my nasal voice, but uh, she was a bit of a, not a hoarder, but a person who held on to things for a long time. with the idea that it was either going to increase in value or there was going to be a special occasion that she could use the item for. And she saved a chair. It was like this special chair. It was wrapped in plastic for a long period of time in her basement. And another thing, I guess, was she was looking forward to one of us inheriting the chair. It was like she was very proud of this chair. I'm not sure how much it was, but I'm assuming it it cost a little bit of money. When she died, we ended up getting offered the chair. I was told the chair would be delivered to our house around 3 p.m. by my my father was going to come over and drop off the chair. I said, I may be on a run, but, (laughs) you know, just leave it on the porch. And then I went on my run at about 2.30, and I got back at about 3.07. And apparently in that time period, my dad had brought this sacred chair over to our house. So yeah, Shane was at his run and I was in the house with the babies while Shane's dad and Nona and his sister and his sister's boyfriend, you know, they're bringing some furniture to our place. And I see Shane's dad pick up this chair that Shane and I had become really excited to get, you know, it was really beautiful and it's a piece of his family. And his dad lifts it out of this truck, steps onto the curb, like our sidewalk, and then 
I mean, I don't know what happened, but as soon as he stepped on it, I just see your dad in the chair, just timber hit the ground. I wasn't even looking at the chair at this part. Your sister screamed bloody murder. And, you know, of course that scared Lucy. It scared me. It scared Roseanne. And your dad was just laying there on the sidewalk and he, he was okay. But then the first thing he said, he kind of, everybody's like, Paul, are you okay? Are you okay? And he just goes, the chair's busted. And I think that he was on the ground, not because he was hurt, but because he had busted this. I don't want to laugh, but it's kind of, he had busted the sacred chair. <laughs> so why, why does that keep him on the ground longer? <laughs> because I just think that he was, I think it was overwhelmed. Yeah. And I think it was like, it just had been kept so nice for so long. And it's like, it's like it just didn't want to be and a part. All you can do is laugh at that point because it's just like, it's so fitting in a way that that, that chair broke and it and comic like sadly hilarious i don't i don't know but also you know when people pass people have to be donated stuff and the family members often have to take on items that they might not necessarily want or need (laughs) but they definitely should be holding on to them for sentimental reasons or maybe you can give it to someone else in your family years down the line so we inherited two items that unfortunately were not broken, <laughs> uh, but like a big, what is it called? An, An armoire, armoire. And a ta- little table desk, which, you know, That's... that was part of the deal with the chair. Yeah. It was, okay, we're going to take the chair that we really want, and then we're going to store these two other items, and one day we may f- be able to find a use for them. But, of course, now we just have this big armoire. Well, the armoire is the size of a Mack truck, but yeah. you, you've made use of the table already, and it is really pretty. Yes. So silver linings there that we have a little tabletop (laughs) do you know what's happening with the chair now i think it's being cremated now with 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 my grandmother no i don't know i don't even know if my grandma's being cremated i actually i don't have any idea what's going on but sorry to start with this i wrote down a list of topics and i thought i'd start with the grandma thing get it out of the way but now it's just got me in such a, a nasally voice and weird mood uh okay date night (laughs) review we had a new pod segment called date night yes what did you think of it alex i had so much fun doing it i really loved doing it so shane and i sat here we opened a bottle of wine that we had never had before and we in our really uneducated way tried to do a proper wine tasting like we got our noses in there we went through the wine what it smelled like what it tasted like and Shane had all these like really fun topics that we went through and it was it was such a blast for me and it was really good I think for us it was a way for us to like decompress from the day and just have so much fun before we went into you know like our own date night and played games and whatnot but it was a blast and I like that like shorter snacky pod it was still 40 minutes. Like we, we, <laughs> we tried making it short, and sure enough, still 40 minutes, which is probably the average pod length. If you are into average pod lengths, I hope you do enjoy that one. Again, that was the first time we'd ever tried something like that. We're going to do it every week, and I'm sure it's going to get better every week. Well, Not to say that one was terrible, but I feel like we can shorten the wine tasting segment. Yes. And just get into the fun stories and questions sooner. We do get into some pretty juicy details from our honeymoon. Yeah. Uh, We witnessed an orgy. Uh, Witnessed an orgy at the same time that we helped save a baby sea turtle. You want to hear this story. Trust me. You want to hear a date night. 
But Shane, I had a joke. I never, I never come up with jokes. You know how I like to laugh, Alex. Well, you said it was the average pod length, and I was gonna say that I heard most women actually prefer the average pod length. Wait, that's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> Does it not make sense? No, no. I, I know you're relating it to penis length here. I'm just trying to dissect this a little bit. Okay, so at, you're saying average? Most women prefer an average penis size. I I think so. Yeah. What do you think the average penis size is? Six inches. I don't know if that's true. I, th- I bet it's closer to five. I'm hoping it's. Co- <laughs> I'm hoping it's closer to five. I'm hoping it's closer to four. Can I look this up really quick? Sure. Yeah. I. But here's the thing: when you're doing a penis questionnaire, unless you're actually measuring all the uh, Tom, Dick, and Harrys, <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to get an accurate read. And I think men would tend to round up. So I, I seriously doubt whatever is said is what it actually is. Yeah, but I think wouldn't it need to be done by medical professionals? So you think they're going around everyone's house and measuring their dicks? Well, <laughs> hey, can I measure your uh, Johnson? I am a I medical think professional. They'd probably put out a survey and pay people. So okay, so I have the average measurements. This is from CBC. So it's under, it has to be under six. So flaccid length average is 3.61 inches and the flaccid stretched length I didn't it's know that was It's called a boner. Listen, flaccid it's called stretched. Hard. It's called hard. No, yeah. this is not. Oh, flaccid stretch. Yes. So if oh. you take you stretch the flaccid, the average is 5.21 and erect length is 5.17 inches. Okay, I'll buy that. That makes sense. As long as it's in the 5 then I believe it. Not to say that I'm average, but Not to say that I'm above average either. You uh, take that for what you will, listeners. Yeah, so date night. And then we started playing a new game called Scrabble. New new to me. I I realize this game has been around forever. Everything started out hunky-dory. We're playing the game. I get off to a little bit of a lead. I'm proud of myself. That was only because of the very first word. Yeah, my first word was rigid, oddly enough. (laughs) (laughs) It it really was. That's so weird that we're talking about flaccid and hard penises right now. But it was was rigid, and I, I got off to a bit of a lead. And we were chatting in between, and we were having this totally awesome gameplay experience like i talked about with my grandma how it felt like the 80s that date night felt a little bit like the 80s and i was feeling great about it until i was getting maybe a little bit lucky and getting a little too ahead and i noticed the conversation just dried up and at first i thought you were just on your phone pulling some instagram stuff then i noticed oh you're checking a lot of scrabble words and unfortunately my phone had died so I couldn't check any Scrabble words unless it was kind of a word I had already thought in my head, like an emergency word. So I'd be like, oh, is quabula a word? And you'd be like, it's not a Scrabble word. But you're on your phone all the time where the conversation Here, is just dead. Here's the thing. Okay. I was not just like tossing in my letters looking for stuff. I was like, okay, I can make the word. What's that word that we were talking about? Seep. Seep. <laughs> Shane had an issue with that one. So I didn't have an issue. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I was like, okay, I can make the word seep. And if I put the P on this triple word score, I'm like, that's pretty good. So I was like, I can make seep if I can make two two two-letter words with, you know, an E and with my S. So then I was looking and I was like, okay, is T-E valid in the Scrabble dictionary? Is... 
K-I is M-I. Yeah, K-I, things like that. So that's what you were doing for a large portion of the game. So you would say, oh, this is a word, this is a word. And before I could say anything, you'd shove the phone in my face. you go, don't believe me? Look. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I believe you, I believe you. Because I'm new to the game. I've never played Scrabble before. <laughs> I've played then, it for a long time. then you started doing this with every turn. You go, here, I looked it up. It's a word, it's a word. I'm like, oh, she's cross-referencing all these two-letter words because in Scrabble, if you've never played, if you can make one word, that doesn't mean as much as if you can make words that are connecting to the other words. more points. And often they're words you would never know what they are unless you had the Scrabble dictionary at Mm -hmm. your disposal with the internet, which you did. I didn't have my phone. So at the end of the game, Alex had beaten me by seven points. So I was a little (laughs) dejected because I didn't have the advantage of having my phone to do all these cross-references. So all I said was, oh man, I feel like you had an advantage with your phone. I don't feel like you would have gotten seep if you didn't have your phone and you went ballistic you go seep seep you don't think i know seep i'm like well 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 well, well there's a little bit more nuance that you're like seep shame i know seep and we had had a bottle of wine and you're feeling really loose but you are absolutely out of your mind livid and i'm like no alex it's not that i don't think you would have gotten seep it's that i don't think you would have gotten all the correlating connecting words like key me <laughs> And like, what was the other one? It was I don't know, probably T-E or something like that. Yeah. I was like, those you don't know. I get you know seep. You don't know T-I is a word. Like you might know he's a rapper, but you don't know <laughs> that's an official word in the English dictionary. And that caused a domino effect that ruined our night. Date night was ruined because of Scrabble. <laughs> we were fighting. Like this was a, a, like one of the most intense arguments we've had in a long time. All started by you just having, not admitting to the fact that having the phone was an unfair advantage. Well, because I was looking up two-letter words for you too, and then you eventually did get your phone. And I just want to say, in the Scrabble rules, so I was going through Scrabble rules because I haven't played. Of course you were. I I noticed you didn't go to sleep that night. I haven't played Scrabble in like a decade. And it said, oh, if you have a Scrabble dictionary, you know, uh, or use a Scrabble dictionary to look up a word if somebody contests it. So I was like, oh, does this mean like if you had a Scrabble dictionary on your table, does this mean that you could look up words as you play? So that's why what I took it to mean, or that's how I understood it. So I was like, I just kept typing in, is K-E a valid word in Scrabble? And like, that was kind of like my Scrabble... Well, only with the two-letter thing so I could connect. Yeah, which is the ultimate way to cheat. Continue. Well, I didn't know. It seemed like that was valid. So I said to Shane, like, we should print off a list of all the two-letter words so that he and I, like, we can memorize them and then we don't have to encounter this. And then when we play other people, we win. Yeah, you just went on a whole other diatribe that had nothing to do with defending your use or... Well, I thought it was allowed. I thought it was allowed to look in the Scrabble dictionary. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's allowed or not is irrelevant. What I was saying is my phone was dead. I didn't have access to unlimited use of the Scrabble dictionary, which became your phone, and you became so obsessed with it, it really put a damper on the night in terms of conversation, and you didn't realize it. No, I was so I was so quick looking at my words. When you got your phone back, you were so into it. Why do you think once I got my phone back, I put a little extra time and care into it? Well, to win, because you're competitive Cause, too. Because I was just getting my ass whooped by Bill Gates <laughs> over here with the phone, or Steve Jobs, whoever runs that company. I think they each run one, right? Well, Apple is probably oh, yeah, the one yeah. I'm looking for. Steve Jobs over here. <laughs> Googling, like constantly Googling, is key a word? Is me a word? Is kaika a word? And then 
I'm just left there with my own brain and I know like eight words and I did all things considered. I only lost by seven points. No, you played so well. You played so well and I had fun. And next time I just say we print out those words, zero phones, and that's how we do it or no words even. And we just do it. Zero phones and you get two challenges per game or something like five challenges per game. I like that. And then we can actually have fun and feel like like legitimately competitive where no one has the upper hand (laughs) that soured me on that game as much fun as i was having in the first 10 minutes i was having no fun in the last so do we play jenga in between our next scrabble game our next date night can be a jenga night and then we'll get back to scrabble or you want to just dive right into scrabble let's play a real scrabble night where the rules are properly followed (laughs) moving on i dislike the nickname bets and you've been calling betty bets so question what does a parent do when they don't like their child's nickname that their spouse has given them do I keep my mouth shut? I haven't really said anything to you. Before Betty was born, I said, oh, I wouldn't really want anyone calling her Bets. And you were like, oh, I like Bets. And it wasn't really prevalent in our lives. But now Bets is coming up a lot. And it does rub me the wrong way. Not to say, hey, don't use it. Well, do you have anything we can replace it with? I like Bet. I, I hate Bets. I know. Bet. It's just like, stop social. Bet. Stop so short. In see, I I say bets, and that's so it comes so naturally. That sounds like it's short for Betsy, though. No, in in Archie comics, or like I used to read Betty and Veronica comics all the time, and everybody called Betty Bets. I don't like it. Well, what what should we replace see, it because, with? That's not bet, but. Well, you can just say bet. You don't have to bet. accentuate the t so much. But bet just sounds like a uh, a noise. B. I don't like that. <laughs> so you just stick okay. With Betty? Just call her bets. But I want you to know it really bothers me. <laughs> well, then Do we just stick. Will. We just stick with Betty. Okay, we can. I call her a lot. Like I call her Baby B. I call her Bets. I call her B Town. Like I call her fifty things in a day. I think you're hearing Bets the most because B Town has never been uttered. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking about B Town, but oh. I think that you're hearing Bets a lot. Maybe because I do say it a lot, but you know, amongst the other nicknames in my brain, it kind of goes in nicely. But you're probably hearing it the most because it annoys you. Yeah, it it, it is an earworm. I wanted to just talk about dad shaming for a bit. I can skip that. You you rolled your eyes. Okay. I can talk about women hiding their boobs to their husbands. What? That is something. <laughs> I've noticed when you're bare chested, you're covering your boobs. And originally I was like, okay, when we go by a window, yeah, cover up. We don't want the neighbors seeing what only daddy has access to, me being daddy in this scenario. <laughs> but then I noticed in a room where it's just you and I and there's no windows or if the blinds are shut you'll still obstruct your breath no I won't always obstruct I did today one you do it all the time Shane I promise you I promise you there was two times today one time I obstructed the other time I did not obstruct I was walking around shirtless for like an hour earlier this week unobstructed you've done it so many times and I call you out I'm like oh why are you covering like it's just me here and you're like ugh not all the time but only when and this happens often obviously because i'm breastfeeding so like i'll have one boob that's like a cup size and i'll have another boob that's like c cup size depending on what boob i fed on and if it's like right after feeding my nipples are three times the regular size and they are so dark and it's like just 
it's it's wild looking. I don't even know how I'll say it. it's wild looking. So if it's during a time like that, oh, I'll probably just you know cover up while I go about my business. You know I like looking at oddities. These things, like, <laughs> in this case, odd titties. Um. But if they're you know if I have just fed from both sides and they're looking more like twins or at least cousins, then I feel more comfortable. Or you know ideally if they're both like full of milk and they're looking like two juicy cousins then i'm even more like to not obstruct but i feed i breastfeed like every three hours or more sometimes so you know if they're looking like cousins at least then i will walk around unobstructed but because betty feeds every like three hours at least Her name often is more <laughs> then more often than not it's wild it's a it's a wild scene so i i'm obstructing do you think i'm proud of my penis well you're not walking around without without <laughs> no with it out i well okay let's say i walk by naked mm-hmm. and i was just cupping my, my penis <laughs> like when i walk out of the shower i'm i'm just like hey i'm embarrassed to cover up i'm embarrassed not to cover up but i'd be, i'm more embarrassed to cover up because you would feel awkward or like i'm hiding something yeah but then again it's like you know it's got three or four ways that it could look and i know all those ways but with breastfeeding boobs it's like you know first of all betty's clawed them to shreds so they're like bleeding she's been biting on them so my, like my nipples okay my- you're right i don't want to see them <laughs> i thought maybe you're right Please cover those up. But, okay, I'm curious. What are, Besides flaccid and erect, what are the other two ways a penis can look? Like well, just half? like when we were reading there, with a erect stretched or flaccid. An option is I'm well, stretching it? cold shower or cold water penis. There's that. And then, like, you know how if you get out of, like, a hot shower or something and everything's just really red? Like, your butt cheeks go really <laughs> red or something. <laughs> so there's, like... There's the red penis, too. Right. Old Rudolph. Okay. (laughs) All right. There you have it. Now, let's get into this episode. It's a real wild one. And let me tell you, I got a real wild woman on her hands. And her name is Chloe Wild. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm not myself today. I am all over the place. I don't know what I just said. (laughs) Chloe, if you're listening, really sorry, that intro. But should we get into this interview with Chloe Wild? Heck yeah, let's do it. But wait, but before we do that, we have to tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by the Miku Smart Baby Monitor. The Miku Smart Baby Monitor has the most accurate sleep and breathing technology ever. You want to trust another monitor? Don't. (laughs) No point. And what I love best about this is that there's no physical contact. So a lot of monitors like this require you to attach something to your baby. But the Miku Smart Monitor uses sensor fusion technology to analyze your baby's breath and sleep patterns. You don't know what that is? Trust me, it's good. It's military grade. No, it's, it's like really, really amazing. And it works with your smartphone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. They use crypto security, so there is no hacking, which is... Sorry, hackers. (laughs) It's a a thing that happens, and it's terrifying, but they can't get into this monitor, so it's keeping your family and your baby safe. Most importantly, it helps you sleep at night because you have peace of mind. I have to say, I did not use a Miku Smart Baby Monitor for my first child, and I did for my second. I have had a way smoother postpartum with my second baby. Oh, my goodness. No, No joke. 
joke. Honestly, the monitor we had before was a joke. It was terrible. And now we are living the sweet life. Yeah, it was. It, it really makes a difference. The Miku Smart Monitor has amazing HD video and photo, great night vision, sounds, lullabies, and two-way talk. You can get these at MikuCare.com. And if you use the promo code FAMILYTREE20, you're going to get $79 off. That's huge. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So this is for U.S. listeners only. But again, that is MikuCare.com and FamilyTree20 for $79 off. But we are also supported by... Hello Bello. Being a parent is hard. Like really, really hard. So when you go to get diapers to prevent the next eventual blowout, finding a diaper that's absorbent and soft without spending a fortune shouldn't be just as tough. Especially right now. We don't need any more problems, oh, people. <laughs> Let's take diaper problems out of the equation and just get that Hello Bello. Co-founded by Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, Hello Bello is built on the simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. And their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 different fun, rotating designs. Each bundle comes with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and even one full-sized product freebie with your order. And I recommend either the detangler or that magic diaper cream. But I even put it on pimples the other day, and it it got, it worked. Lou's breaking out, or you? <laughs> Me. Oh. But you can even get 15% off of any add-on. So the bubble bath, more wipes, more diaper rash cream, or some body lotion. But to get Hello Bello super soft, super absorbent, and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door, go to hellobello.ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree30 for 30% off of your diaper bundle order. That's huge bang for your buck, the best deal I've seen for Hello Bello out there, and a lot of potential blowout saved. In case you missed that, that's hellobello.ca, promo code thisfamilytree30 to start bundling with 30% off your first order. That's right, that's 30% off. <laughs> so don't forget, hellobello.ca and promo code thisfamilytree30. This promo is applicable to Canadians only, but you are going to love these products. But now let's get to our interview with Chloe Wild. Chloe, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're so happy to be able to talk to you. And for those listening, I'm, go ahead. No, sorry. Let's try it again. I was going to jump in. I need to Zoom this delay is, is the worst. So, you'll go. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not going to do that again. I'm just going to drink water. No, it's no problem at all. But for those listening, you know, they might recognize you. They might have an idea of who you are. They see you on TV. They see you on Healthy is Hot. Who are you in your own words? Who is Chloe Wilde? Oh, goodness gracious. Honestly, can I just say something? I'm so used to being on the other side of the interview. I get incredibly anxious. Like if you could feel my heart rate and feel how clammy <laughs> my hands are. I am really? such an anxious human being when I have to be the guest, like the mm -hmm. interviewee. So when you ask me who I am right now, I'm just like a ball of nerves. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting question because... There's so many iterations of you as a person, mm -hmm. right? And as, as soon as you're kind of in the public, even with you guys, with your podcast, like people get used to how you talk and what you kind of bring out into the world. And I've been really fortunate that I get, I get to play in a lot of different arenas, you know, started off in much music and then went to E and then did Discovery Channel and got to nerd out. And I'm at eTalk having fun in the entertainment space. But then, you know, in a different arena with Healthy is Hot, I get to kind of just be like, the girl that just is trying to figure it out one moment at a time with the rest of the community. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm 
I don't know. Like I'm like a buffet. Like I can't even tell you. There's not even a theme. There's just a whole <laughs> bunch of items. Nothing really goes together. But then you kind of like just put it all onto a plate, wrap it up in a pair of sweatpants, and I think that's me. A hot mess, I think. Hot mess. A healthy like is hot a mess. Healthy, yeah. Hot mess. Do you find it tough being on a pedestal? Because not only are you a TV personality, which people would hold you to a higher standard, but you're also in the health world. So mm. do you find any pressure to be perfect? No, definitely not. I think if I, I think if you had asked me that question when I was 22, like 10 years ago, I would have given you a very different answer. But now, like being where I am now at 32, my view of health is the healthiest that it's ever been. Like I look at the the origin of healthy is hot. And that started when I was the least healthy I'd ever been. And my idea and ideal of health was very, very extreme. Whereas now, and this is something I share with all of my health coaching clients is let's just try for an 80, 20 life. 80% of the time we try to make good decisions. We try to be good to ourselves and to the people around us. And then 20% of the time, hey, if you wanna eat that piece of cheesecake, have a tequila soda, which one of my faves or nachos or whatever, you know, like let's not like hold ourselves to these ideals mm-hmm. that are just really not sustainable. So for me, do I feel like the pressure to be perfect all the time? No, because I don't really have any desire to strive for perfection anyways. I just, that yeah. to me doesn't really seem fun. It doesn't exist either. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that people got get caught up in. It's like perfection doesn't exist. It might with Photoshopped images, it might on magazines and things like that, but it doesn't fucking exist. And people get caught up in that social media perspective of perfection and striving to achieve these things, but you can't and nobody does. And I'm, I'm so curious, like when you say that, you know, you started healthy as hot when you were at an unhealthy or the least healthy point in your life, what does that health journey look like to you? Is it all physical? Is it mental health? Like, what did you experience? Yeah, that's a great question. Also, we can swear. Yeah, yeah. Fuck Go yeah. Go for it. <laughs> okay, well, like take a sigh of relief. This is amazing. My health journey is like a real 360. Like the, the pillars of healthy's heart really reflect what I believe are the foundational elements of health. You've got your physical health, of course, your nutritional health. Mental health, I believe, is like the most important part, that like puzzle piece that we really got to focus on. Um, career health is also really important. Like how are you and who are you when you show up to work every day and what do you bring home with you? I've never thought about that. Yeah. Like think about, think about how much time we spend working Yeah, Yeah. a lot of our lives. And so many of us, our mental health when we're at work is not ideal. So that's something I like to focus on. And then the last one is whatever sets your soul on fire. And that looks different for everyone. And I think it's like a really kind of beautiful kind of cherry on top to the full picture of health. So going back to your question and keeping these kind of pillars in mind, I kind of had to go through an evolution in each of those pillars to get to a place where I now can look at myself in the mirror and not hate what I see and not have Mm -hmm. a bunch of negative thoughts kind of come at me. And so there's been like a real appreciation and evolution. So at the beginning, and it kind of ties into the story of how I got into media, I was a science student at McGill in Montreal and real knee deep in the scientific world, was obsessed with neurobiology, cognitive behavioral sciences. Um, I was obsessed with the brain and the way we interact with each other. And I had a pipe dream of going to med school and I wrote my MCATs and volunteered abroad and all the things you're supposed to do. And then I was, of course, working a couple of jobs to pay my way through school. So lo and behold, what ended up happening, I started to sense feelings of burnout. I was 
your typical Montreal student. I partied a lot, um, but I also studied a lot. And so I was just kind of doing it all, which at mm -hmm. 22, like you can do it at that level of intensity for quite a long time without really noticing. And then when it came time to apply to med school after getting my MCAT scores, something was like holding me back. I, I, some, I just like, I still don't know to this day what it was, but I was like mid application. I was like, ah, maybe not yet. Maybe I'll do another degree first. So then I went into a nursing degree. So I knew I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. I was still obsessed with health sciences and it just feel, felt like the right next step before med school. That was when the burnout really happened. So halfway through my second degree, I was a shell of a person. Yeah. I had lost all kinds of weight. Food was like evil. Gym was punishment. I, I was still striving for such good grades, trying to keep up an active social life. Mm -hmm. Like something had to give. And it was my health. And thankfully, McGill was very supportive. I went on to a one-year sabbatical to take care of myself. One month into that sabbatical, I was not doing so well. I didn't know what to do. I like didn't have the tools in my toolkit yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have the courage and strength that it takes to actually seek help. And I really think it takes such courage to reach out to someone, whether it's a friend, a family member, or a health professional. Say like, hey, I think I might need to lean on you. Like, I think it takes unbelievable amount of strength. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have it at that time. But what I did have was a remote controller in my hand. And I was flipping through the channels, feeling all kinds of lost and confused about who I was. And then I passed much music. And then I heard the words in the commercial that forever changed everything. And it was, do you want to be the next much music VJ? And so in that moment, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I don't have anything <laughs> else. I'm not in school. I don't know what to do with my life. And so instead of taking care of myself, I ended up putting all of that energy into mm -hmm. this new adventure that I knew yeah. nothing about. I was so much older than the other contestants. I was a science student. I'd never been to broadcast school, didn't know anything about journalism. Like I was very passionate about music. And so I put everything I had into this reality show and being like the gritty, stubborn person that I am, like I got through it. But as I kind of get through the reality show, my health started to go down and down mm -hmm. and down. And so as we traveled across the country, because that was the nature of the show, we started in Vancouver and traveled back towards Toronto with a pit stop in Ottawa. And Ottawa is where my mom lives. And when I got off the bus to see my mom, I hadn't seen her in a while. She looked at me and her face went from pure excitement, holding a massive Chloe for VJ sign. And then when she saw me, it went from excitement to concern. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd seen someone who I respected and loved kind of reflect back my current situation. And that was a bit of a rough realization. I finally realized that, wow, I can't just keep fighting through this. Like, I, I need to take a step back. What was it about you that looked so different to your mom? I think it was like when I look back at images from that mm -hmm. time, I, I kind of looked like a different person. Yeah. Like my, my eyes looked different. I'd lost a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. I kind of like had a green like pallor to me. It was just like I wasn't healthy. Right. Because I, I wasn't eating because anytime I ate, I would feel really sick. And looking back and after speaking with people, like that was a manifestation of anxiety. Right. Like it was coming up with all kinds of, and I was just like, oh, well, the easiest way for me to not feel that, I told myself, is to cut out food. And so that night in Ottawa was the first time I ever went to the gym and used the hashtag healthiest hot for some reason. And that was like the first time I made a promise to myself that no matter what happened, whether I went back to McGill I won this reality show, whatever, like whatever I wanted to do going forward, health had to be number one priority. Mm -hmm. right. And 24, like being hot was like the cool thing to do. So I was like, great, healthy is hot. <laughs> and like, that's where the name came from. 
And then it just kind of like, it was born in 2013, the year that I was supposed to be on a sabbatical taking care of my health, but forgot. Mm -hmm. And instead did a reality show that ended up throwing me into the world of media, which is where I am now. But it was also this beautiful year where I was really faced, I had to face the music and I had to say like, okay, like one of two things has to happen. Mm -hmm. I either got to show up and start treating myself with like a little bit of affection and kindness and compassion or like none of this is going to matter because at some point I'm going to run out of steam. Mm -hmm. So my health transformation had, I had to go through it all. I had to learn how to like the person I saw in the mirror. I had to look at food differently and look at it as fuel. I had to look at movement as a form of nourishment rather than a form of punishment or just a calorie burn. Mm -hmm. I had to look at mental health as something that was to be celebrated. Like I talk very openly about mental health on all my platforms and that's because for so long it was like this shunned thing that you just didn't talk about and pretended like it didn't exist. Yeah. So I think health is all of it. Mm-hmm. So you had a history of burnout leading up to the VJ search. Then, then you end up winning the VJ search. Did that create a level of anxiety where you could feel the burnout coming or were you naturally comfortable on air? Yeah. So the burnout happened, like the big one happened right before being right. on air. Yeah. And then I was just kind of like on a roller coaster mm-hmm. ride. And I've definitely thrown my eight years in the industry. I've had moments where mm-hmm. I had shingles, for example, have happened at one point in my life. Not fun. Don't wow. do, don't get yourself to the point of that but I, I have to say that that burnout that led me to take a year off school like I try very hard to have a little bit more kind of awareness and I, I force myself to check in with myself and now I recognize like the red flags mm-hmm. I recognize when I'm heading towards burnout I stop eating I stop sleeping my heart rate is always elevated and like my thoughts are, are sporadic so I, I am grateful that it happened because yeah. now I know how to kind of like check in on myself but weirdly when I got into the world of TV I mean I I didn't really know what I was doing Mm -hmm. um but thankfully one of the part-time jobs I had while in school was hosting a really embarrassing to admit (laughs) because they're still on YouTube but I used to host these YouTube like segments uh, for (laughs) askmen.com called the date brief and do it between like nursing classes and like run up to St. Laurent at the office and like read off a paper that was taped to a camera against a, <laughs> like a awesome. sheet, it was a green screen. So like, I, I guess I had a little bit of on-camera experience, but if you look at it, which by all means, feel free to go and have, have at it. It was pretty horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like not nothing you want on a resume. Is there anything about the job right now that you can feel like stresses you out a little bit that you're still not yet comfortable besides of course now being interviewed yeah i think talking about myself has got to be up there i think i haven't done much live television since Mm -hmm. like the days of much and yeah mmba red carpet so i think live kind of can stress me out a little bit that idea of you get one shot and then that's it it's out there people are watching it in the very moment like what happens if you Mm -hmm. freeze yeah. which like I was on the social once and it kind of happened where in the moment it felt like I froze for an eternity, but really it was like half a second and no one even noticed. But in that moment, my brain went, you're live. Do not mess it up. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> no, that's, that's a terrifying thing. I remember like when I was in like eighth grade, I was doing a speech and I totally just forgot what I was saying, ran off the stage crying. That still haunts me to this day. So I get that. Mm. And, you know, I didn't know healthy is hot had been something you'd been using for so long, like 2013. That's a long time. And I think about for me in my life, my definition of hot changed so much. Like when I was in my 20s, it was like, okay, like 
wearing mini skirts, stilettos, looking fit, going out to a bar, having my hair flowing perfectly and, you know, just looking, I guess, sexually hot to mm. attract men and that was how i saw it works for me yeah. look i'm glad <laughs> and now i think my version of hot centers around self-confidence and feeling good do i feel good mentally right now probably not i'm exhausted but like do i feel good about myself do i feel good about the decisions i'm making and that is what is hot to me and that's probably what's sexually attractive too because you know you're just exuding self-love so how what did hot mean to you initially and how has that changed if it has mm, i i love that you've been through your own journey oh my gosh do you remember the mini skirt and stiletto days i remember waiting outside in minus 40 in the winter trying to get into bars in mini skirts and stilettos i saw there was a meeting that was like, one of my montreal like girlfriends sent to me and it was like were you this montreal girl and it was it was stilettos mini skirt with like snow banks everyone else like oh, yeah that was waiting me. for the cabs I always felt 100%. so bad for those those women. You don't want to pay for coach. CoCheck. Wait in lines too no. much. <laughs> no, you definitely don't want to wait for CoCheck. No. I have to agree with like how your evolution of hot has kind of grown over the years. My, I think probably when I was younger, feeling hot was actually not something that I felt. It was something I felt other people felt when they saw me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was never about me and how I felt about myself. It was like, oh, I'm going to dress a certain way and act a certain way so that I am perceived a certain way by other people yeah. when in reality like that's got that shit's got to come from you and like when you're younger I mean maybe the younger generations are like more open to that kind of stuff but for me back then oh my gosh it was not about what was going on inside if anything I was like trying to shove that shit down and like right. pretend it didn't exist whereas now I'm like oh personal development work on yourself <laughs> like that's so sexy like someone who actually gives a shit about the way that they think and the way mm-hmm. they show up in their lives and they care about themselves and they carve out space to actually kind of allow for growth to happen mm-hmm. while you go out and have fun in all the different arenas you play in. I mean, that is the sexiest thing ever. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you were uniquely prepared for the pandemic because you were cultivating all these health tools before it struck? <laughs> Hell no. no. <laughs> like I am still very much the beginning of my health journey. Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's still fresh. Like I still get triggered by all kinds of things. Um, but it's like, it's a progress, right? And I'm okay with that. I think the pandemic has been hard. The pandemic has been hard for so many reasons for everyone. Like yeah. the, globally, this is affecting everyone. I think the the kind of silver lining of it for me was that I didn't realize how busy my life was before and how on the go I was and how fast I was moving through life. And I wasn't really present. Like I was so focused on where I was traveling to next, whether it was personally or, or, you know, with this job, which like fortunately put me in all kinds of really cool spots that I like forgot to have a life here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I forgot to, to foster relationships here. I was Mm -hmm. always focused on somewhere else. My happiness was elsewhere. Yeah. Like I didn't have adventures or fun in my hometown. No, like I'm, going to go to LA and that's where I'm going to have fun. Mm -hmm. So I think the nice thing about the pandemic is it forced, I think all of us to really slow down and reevaluate things. And it kind of fast tracked my health journey because then I ended up going back to school to become a health and a life coach, because Mm -hmm. as you can probably already tell, I'm not great at just like sitting idle. Like I don't, I need to do a lot of things at once to like keep my brain occupied. And that was kind of nice because then I felt like I really started to build out my toolbox Mm -hmm. with things to kind of keep my physical health and my mental health more importantly in check throughout the pandemic. Have I had it all figured out the past little while since last March? No, 
Definitely not. But I'm on, I'm like on a journey, you know, like I feel like every day I just try to like, I don't know, show up a little bit more than I did yesterday. Now, do you have a life coach? And the reason I asked that is I was just talking to my friend and he's like, my sister's a life coach and her life coach has a life coach and she has a life coach. And it was like this never ending cycle of everyone having a life coach. Is that something you do? Yes, a hundred percent. I never had a coach before I became a coach. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got a coach cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to be a coach and build a coaching business. Like I need a coach and it's, and it's kind of awesome, but it's kind of weird when you hear someone else say it. Cause <laughs> I think you're right. It's just like this never ending cycle of coaches, helping coaches, helping people, helping coaches. I find it really valuable, mm-hmm. uh, especially if I'm going to advocate for the benefit and the impact that coaching can bring someone. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that I also do the work. I think one of the things they teach you where I went to school is like you'll get out of your coaching business as much as you put into your coaching process. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier to teach and to show if you've already kind of been through it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why it's also really powerful to have a coach. And I don't know, I really like it. I, it's kind of nice having yeah. someone hold you accountable. Yeah. Like I think the biggest thing a coach does is they're your biggest cheerleader one moment. They call you out on your shit on the other moment and they hold you accountable the way that like maybe your partner or your colleague or your kid can't mm-hmm. in a way that's like, they're just this, this other person in your life. And yeah. I'm really grateful mm-hmm. to have, to have had one for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you find there's a stigma around saying there's a, like, I'm a life coach. Like, are you somewhat hesitant to say that because maybe someone might think, Oh, I'm flighty or I'm, this certain personality type that you might see in a movie. Yeah. I'm still kind of working on even saying it with you guys is probably the most public I've ever been about it. I've like shared, I'm trying to be more comfortable sharing about it on, on Instagram stories because I hear that it's important to market your business. Still trying to figure that (laughs) all out. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I'm still kind of stepping into this, this like role of being a health and a life coach because it just feels so new. And I think there's still so much confusion about what, what they are and who they are and what they're not. So yeah, for sure. But I think, uh, I don't know. I think I just got to step into the the unknown of it all and see what happens. I mean, I think there's different life coaches and different health coaches out there. Just like you can go to one yoga class and they're playing like hip hop and it's candlelit. Mm. Yeah. And you go to another one and it's very abstract concepts and Mm -hmm. kind of deep inner work and no music and lights bright or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's such a variety. And I think that's what people need to remember when it's comes to finding a life coach or a health coach. Yeah, I I feel this is such like a natural thing for you because even your show, like Shane and I watched your show and, you know, you're essentially doing that. You're essentially being, (laughs) you're laughing. No, you're essentially being a coach for everybody watching you on the show and you're introducing them to different ways to feel good about themselves and to, you know, get in touch with themselves, to feel healthy, to feel good. And so now you're just kind of taking that and personalizing it for each of your clients. And and I think that's so good. Like what what made you want to get into this touring around like trying to feel good about yourself hashtag? Yeah. What made you want to turn that into a thing? I uh oh my god, like to turn it into the, the show or the coaching business? Well, the show like you had your account first, yeah. right? I guess. And then the show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um first of all, bless you both for watching that show i mean every episode we watched yes. and we enjoyed it too yes, by the we way did. we don't just want to say we watched yeah. it we watch and enjoy yeah i uh was like oh my show it's, it's on crave it's a six-part like mini series called healthy is hot you will see me cry on every episode <laughs> <laughs> a lot of laughter this is like obviously doing that show 
Shane, you're in this business. If you go into it and you have, you have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I just believe so wholeheartedly in healthy is hot and in spreading the message that health looks different on everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not just one thing. It's not just how many times you work out or how many salads you eat. Like if it was that easy, we would all be doing it, but mm-hmm. it's not like healthy is like so complex and multifaceted, just like we are. And so that show, my gosh, when that opportunity came up, I could not believe it. Like, I don't think I believed it until we started filming it. And then I think I still didn't believe it until I saw it on TV. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I drank to campaign and puked. But <laughs> the show was such a, like a gift. Like, I'm so grateful to have been able to kind of expand on Healthy is Hot in that way. Because you're right, it started off as a hashtag and then an Instagram page and then a website and then a podcast, and now a show. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. And I think the biggest thing I took away from doing the show is that in every episode, we interact with some amazing individuals and kind of explore what health looks like in those worlds, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, eating plant-based or facing your fears or how, who are you being in your community and how Mm -hmm. do you give back? And it was amazing because it looks different for everyone. And like health is not one thing. It's so many things. Like I, I would love to do more episodes. My brain goes in so many directions when I think about like how the reach that we could go to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I hope, I hope it's the beginning. I hope that six part series, another one. And has there been talk about like, Hey, once the pandemic's over, let's get back. I Well, we have Mike on Much, which had a season one on Crave, and then we were supposed to do season two, and then pandemic struck, and I haven't heard a word about it, so I don't know what's going on. For both of us, okay? I'm I'm crossing my fingers. But guys, I've got to say, I can't believe you guys watched it. How? Did you you really feel for me on the Face Your Fears episode? Because I'll, I'll give some BTS knowledge on both the singing and the bungee jumping, because... My oh my. I would have shit my pants bungee jumping. Mm-hmm. That terrifies me. And it's not even the height. It's like I have this fear that the rope is going to snap and I'm just dead. Like dead. And I think to be <laughs> honest, we were a little bit wondering how much artifice was a part of the you singing. Because mm. Alex was like, come on, she's a on-air host. How ner- <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, but sometimes, you know, people who are on air, they're socially awkward. They're more comfortable hosting. They, they're not comfortable being on camera at all I couldn't times. believe it, yeah. So there was a little bit of eye-rolling from Alex, and I was like, maybe it's fake. <laughs> it's, va- it's very valid. It's valid, mm-hmm. and I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah, so what is the behind the scenes on that? Let's get the skinny yeah. here. Behind the scenes, the, the panic was way more intense than what was on camera. Oh, really? Basically. Wow. Alex, your concern is valid, and I have faced your concern basically anytime I talk openly about being anxious. People right. are just like, you're full of shit. Like, you <laughs> host B-Day in front of 20,000 people. Yeah. You do talk. You host this. You host that. Like, what do you – like, I don't believe you. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Totally valid. <laughs> for you. My thing, and this is, like, the only way I can explain it, is like when I'm hosting or when I have a job and I'm not Chloe, like, I'm Chloe Wilde, the host – it's almost like there's like an armor around me and like I have a role, like I have a reason for being there, um, for interviewing, for holding a microphone, for holding space. That's exactly when how I, I describe it, by the way, because I'm yeah. the same way. I can be the most outgoing person in the world, but then if it's social, I'm like, I have no excuse to talk to that person, but I have this mic. I could talk to Tom Cruise for an hour and feel fine. <laughs> yeah, because you got a job to do. you yeah. got a podcast to produce. Yeah, I... It happened to me when I first, and I started noticing this when I got this job in this industry was I started going to fashion week. I was working at 
E at the time. So E was doing all the coverage for Fashion Week when it was in Toronto. And I would go and I, I would have a ball sitting front row and then interviewing the designers. And it was it was fantastic. And then I went for fun. Mm-hmm. It was the least fun thing ever. <laughs> I was like confused about where I was supposed to go. What do I do with my hands? Like, yeah. I, I was, honestly, I was a hot mess. I, I couldn't wait to leave. And that's when I really saw the, the dichotomy that exists between like how I can show up as a host mm-hmm. and who I am mm-hmm. um, as just like me. And I, me, I like to be in very quiet environments. I like not too many people. Um, I get overstimulated. I get mm-hmm. very anxious. I don't like being in big social interactions. But if I'm working, I can do it. So the healthiest hot show is an interesting juxtaposition because even though I was working, I was the most authentic version of me mm-hmm. throughout that entire show that's ever been broadcast that's in my awesome. career, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be vulnerable and to be Chloe, not, hey, I'm Chloe Wild for me talk. Like, I just want to be like, what's up? I'm Chloe. Let's do this. So the singing episode was real. And I had a full-blown panic attack at the office at 299 back when we used to go to the office. Because yeah, oh yeah. I knew that night we were shooting something, but I didn't know what it was at that point. But it was mm. wintertime. And I had a feeling it was going to be something on stage. So I was like, okay, it's going to be improv. I'm going to be in a play. Maybe it's a musical. And I hadn't even thought about singing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And the ideas that I was kind of going through in my head gave me so much panic that I fully had a panic attack needed my asthma inhaler thankfully tyrone who is like my office mate was there and he like calmed me down oh, and he was like you can do this like this is your show this is like this is your show you you, you mm-hmm. can do it like you gotta dig deep like i believe in you so then i get into the cab and then i'm given the address i'm texted the address of where i'm supposed to go i still don't know what i'm doing so i text the address and then i see it's a, like a bar and i'm like singing like at that <laughs> point i'm like starting to and I'm like, oh my gosh. When you saw it was a bar, you guessed singing? Yeah. Wow. Because I was like, what else is it going to be? I was like, there's not going to be Coyote bars, Ugly, yeah. like, dancing on right. a bar. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Get hammered, Chloe, you know I mean? and like, dance on the bar. Yeah. yeah. I did take shots of tequila before singing. Oh, I was going to ask. Necessary. Nice. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, of course. But I, I fully, fully, like, it was ugly cry, hyperventilating, like, I went into the floor, like in a ball, like you saw in the bunch of jumping. I just didn't want to do it. And I got to tell you, the only reason I pulled through was as the crowd started to come in, there was a group of like four old little ladies. Okay. And they were like, great, Chloe, can you go talk to them? We need some B-roll of you interacting. I'm like, okay, like, hi guys, I'm going to be, I'm really scared. And these three wonderful women hyped me up and they were like we're gonna be front row we're gonna be singing so loud and they were like if you get scared you just look at us in the eye we have your back and i was like okay i can do this i can do this for them and Mm -hmm. like i did but i hated every second of it every second so what's interesting to me yeah no i apologize (laughs) right now come on sorry (laughs) (laughs) but what's interesting to me like when both of you again who are i think you know, so used to and so great at being public figures and being hosts and personalities and then saying that you're uncomfortable kind of just being you in a social situation. Is that like, does that come from a place of imposter syndrome? What is that? What does that come from? What is the fear there? 
well, for me, it's just that, like she said, there, it feels like I'm out of place and I don't have an excuse to actually be talking to anyone or being funny or being silly. Yeah, if I'm trying to be funny, I feel like I'm trying too hard because I'm not I'm not getting paid for it. Yeah, but then it's like it's like my. my... No, but I'll let Chloe answer. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Chloe is questions for Chloe. No, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's answered because I, again, I can understand why, like, if you don't experience what we experience in social settings, it's a very weird thing to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's very strange, especially, like, we've both been on camera. We both have been in public kind of settings where people literally are taking us in and it's part of our job and we show up and we do it. But I don't, I don't know. It's just, like, it's terrifying. Like, to me, if I have to go to, like, a party mm-hmm. or an event... Like what I do now is I'll set a timer. Mm-hmm. And if I can last like 60 minutes, like that is a win. Like if my alarm goes off, I'm like, huh, I can go home. I lasted an hour. Like, good job. I just, I, the things that go through my mind are, what do I say to people? Mm-hmm. What if they don't like what I'm saying? What if they think I'm trying to be like too in their face? What if I like, what if I'm not doing something right? Like, what if I'm not wearing the right outfit? Uh, mm-hmm. What if I don't know anyone? What if people don't really care if I'm here? Like, just wild rumination happens. So mm-hmm. is it, like, more comfortable playing the role, like, playing TV Chloe Wilde than it is just kind of sitting with yourself? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's – and this is something I've, like, been oh, super open about. I am very good at wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've always been like I think it's just a coping mechanism I've had since I was like a kid like you just go and you pretend you're good you pretend like you got it all figured out Mm -hmm. but then like sometimes the mask comes off and now that I'm getting older I'm like all right maybe I don't need to wear the mask as often you know like maybe it's okay that I don't love big gatherings and don't Mm -hmm. love big events or parties and I'm uh, getting okay with that you know Mm -hmm. is a byproduct of that though that people might label you as being phony I'm sure people Mm -hmm. like your reaction to that episode Mm -hmm. I'm sure you were not Mm -hmm. the only one mm-hmm. um yeah you should have heard her going off I was yeah, no I'm, not. <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> she was fine yeah sorry continue but like i get it like mm. i 100 percent understand your reaction and you're not the only person like i've had people who have known me since i was very young and they don't understand that i feel awkward because they're mm-hmm. like yeah. what you know you you're good like i'm like yeah but you're like in my circle you know yeah. like but yeah i'm sure there are people that are just like what she's putting it on i wish i was that good of an actress are you kidding me <laughs> for me having this social anxiety like that to me is my my largest anxiety i would say i have generalized anxiety also though it has created an, an interesting relationship with me and alcohol sometimes i'll get the the mix perfectly where i can feel perfectly normal how I imagine other people do. And sometimes I get the the mix totally off. But being in a professional situation, it can be a a little bit of a gamble to be playing around with alcohol. (laughs) Do you have certain restrictions or limits when you're out with work events? Like, hey, I'm keeping it to two drinks or I won't drink at all or whatever. Yeah, I I wish I could say that I would say no, I I won't drink at work events. Mm -hmm. But I, I it I find it helps like I do that like social Mm -hmm. lubricant aspect of a drink definitely helps well even to have something to hold right like that's a huge part of it it's like hey oh my gosh there's something to hold that's a huge part it's amazing yeah that's something but I'm I definitely and again like when I was younger if there was open bar I was like free food Mm -hmm. free alcohol I was like this is amazing. Like I didn't grow up with much and like having a lot of stuff and like free food and free drink. Like, Oh my gosh. Like what was this world I was walking into? Like <laughs> I'm going to be on TV. Is this how it goes all the time? 
So I think at the beginning, I probably had a little bit too much fun and got a little bit too much in the Toronto scene. And I was at like every event, mm-hmm. every party and just kind of like not sure who I was supposed to be. So I would just go and kind of have a little bit too much fun. Now, if I go and it's like a big if I really like choose where I'm going to use my energy wisely mm-hmm. now, but when there's events and stuff happening and if I go, it'll usually be like a one drink situation. Yeah. yeah. Just because I, yeah, like, I think it's just, you can like, you can be good. And then all of a sudden it's like too much. And then if anything, it makes you feel way more anxious than anything. Cause then you're like, so aware of everything. Yeah. yeah. But I do find CTV really helps. Like when I have to be in public, I just have it in my back pocket and then kind of like, it's like my little, my little security blanket, but I do love having something to hold. I will say that makes mm-hmm. the world of a difference or pockets. Like guys are lucky. You guys are always wearing pockets. I like dress. I'm a big like dress and sneakers girl. And like a lot of the times you don't get pockets. And then what are you supposed to do? Wait, are you implying that I can just walk around with my hand in my pocket? It No, you can just <laughs> even fiddling though with like the top of the pocket mm. and just like putting your thumb in there. Just anything. No, you, it, it you, helps. You've seen it too helps. many Levi's ads where the guy's just no, looking cool. The no. guys don't put Shane, hands in pockets. The thing is I know the need for that and I mm. know like – the jealousy for men with pockets because we just don't have pockets on dresses. Like half the shirts I own don't have pockets. I just have a big stupid iPhone 8 bulge in my pocket at all times and I look like an idiot. He did that for our wedding photos, by the way. Every had, wedding photo is a, is a bulge this big and it's my iPhone. I and our you. photographer yeah. was free and he was new so he didn't even notice it and he didn't mention it. So every yeah. single picture. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So maybe, I don't know. I'm rethinking pockets now. But, but, I mean, were, were you expecting an important call? Like, why did you feel? <laughs> well, we have become so attached to our phones, Chloe. It's hard to be without it. I, I thought maybe, you know, someone in my wedding party would be texting me or I, I don't know. But it was a bad move. It's horrible. All the wedding photos are virtually unusable. I was also wearing a Hawaiian shirt at my wedding. So that shows you the amount of seriousness I, I took the wedding. Yeah. Yeah, but I believe that. And I feel like that would work really well with your lives. Like, I think yeah, it, we, your socials, you guys are very, you have a beautiful family. I feel like a wine tree. You're like, yeah, of course. That makes sense. <laughs> well, Why it was not? a backyard party too. So it was kind of fitting uh, the casualness I thought in it that worked. regard. But I got to ask. So Chloe, we're all sitting here and, you know, we're all proficient on Zoom now because of the pandemic. We've mm-hmm. been putting up with it for almost a year. How do you bring the tenets of healthy is hot to pandemic life? I like that. I feel like the pandemic life is kind of an awesome, like if you want to find the silver linings in life, you will. And I think like you have to kind of look for them right mm-hmm. now. because it's mm-hmm. been a bit of a difficult time. And I think that the, the silver lining of the pandemic is kind of going back to what I said before. It, it's forced all of us to slow down and reevaluate. And yeah. so I think something that I've been really trying to hone in on is this idea of like, even though we're working from home, even though every day kind of feels like Groundhog Day, can you still step into this idea of having a routine? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like throwing your life upside down, starting fresh, you're going to drink your water and step and move your body and have a gratitude practice and meditate and work out and call your family and friends. Like that's madness. Mm -hmm. But maybe you can just like try to implement one thing, try Mm -hmm. like to shake up your routine a little bit just to have that like incremental improvement. And so for the pandemic, it's just been kind of like going back to those five pillars and trying to see like, what are some small changes I can do? I can share with my community, I can share with my clients. And I keep coming back to this idea of gratitude. Like I think gratitude Mm -hmm. is such an awesome way for everyone, no matter who you are, especially during difficult times, 
to kind of like live and breathe that healthiest hot life, which is like, can you find moments and things to be grateful for, mm-hmm. even when it feels like there's nothing to be grateful for? Because at the end of the day, again, if you look hard enough, you can find it. So do you gratitude journal? Like how do you practice gratitude? Yeah. Yeah. So it's morning routine vibes for me. So it's like wake up, chug water. So thirsty in the morning. Like I wish I could say it's because I do it because I know drinking water is good for me, but it's really like I wake up and it's just a hair desert in my mouth. Like I don't, I must be a mouth breather. Um, So I drink a lot of water first thing. And then usually I'll go straight to the gratitude journal. Mm -hmm. Just like, because otherwise I was going right on my phone and I was looking at the news, especially when the news was like, really, it was, it was dark for a while. And then that would set the tone for my day or I go on social media and then that would set the tone for my day or I check work emails mm-hmm. and that would set the tone. And then, and then I was like, I want to set the tone for my day. Yeah. This is my day. So by carving out a little bit of time for yourself in the morning can be a gratitude practice for me. Like I just write down three things I'm grateful for um, every single day with some water. Maybe if like one of my clients is has two year old twins at home and she has a job. And so life is really chaotic i'm sure it's chaotic at your house too with the little ones and everything for her she's like if i can wash my face and put on my face cream and brush my teeth they're like whatever happens like at least i carved out that time for me Mm -hmm. but i think like having something in the morning that is not tech related or news related or social media related that you can kind of just carve out for yourself Mm -hmm. washing your face putting on face cream gratitude practice moving your body stretching whatever Mm -hmm. like is such a good tool for everyone to have because you are just carving out space for you in the morning, telling yourself the rest of the world, the universe, like whatever you believe in, that you matter. Like you are worthy of a couple minutes every day to give back to yourself. Do you ever find it tricky to find things to have gratitude for? Like like you were saying, every day kind of feels yeah. like Groundhog Day. It's like, okay, yesterday I brushed my teeth, gratitude for that. I had a shower, gratitude for that. And then you do the same thing every day. Are you ever like, oh, geez, I'm saying brush my teeth a lot. This is actually kind of depressing. Yeah, for sure. And like I, a lot of my clients actually say that. They're like, I'm writing down the same thing every day. And I was like, cool. Like you're obviously grateful for X, Y, and Z, like your family, your job, your health. Like can you go a little bit deeper? Can you mm-hmm. go a little bit more creative? Can you find like – the areas you often overlook. So then I'll give examples. Like if you had horrible night sleep, like did you wake up and your sheets were soft? Or like, did you see the sunshine? Or mm-hmm. did you like the song that came on the radio? Or I don't know, like yeah. you had a good poop. Like the the thing is with the gratitude and like what the research shows is like, if you can find the small things to be grateful for in addition to the big things, because you know the big things are in our face. They're obvious. Mm-hmm. Of course we're grateful, but can you push yourself? But it's hard. I'm not going to lie. Like, if I'm yeah. lazy, I'm grateful for the same shit every single day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I like push myself to get a little bit more creative and then that's what will kind of change things up here on a neurological level in your brain and just help like the rewiring occur. Well, I think what can also make it like tough, what can make it difficult is when you're like you mentioned you're wearing a boyfriend sweater. I don't know if you guys live together or anything, but like if you are trying to be grateful and then maybe your partner is in a bad mood how do you hold space for their feelings and for yours without just everybody getting sucked down in like a deep dark pit is everything okay at home by the way you guys like no today was chloe i know you're kidding but today was a terrible day no we had a rough we had a rough morning like a rough morning and it's like you know it might start off with one person being happy and then Mm -hmm. 
So like I'll come downstairs hypothetically and be happy. And then Shane will say one thing that maybe is just giving him anxiety and then it gives me anxiety. And then we're both mm-hmm. just in this like anxiety cycle. Well, the and- thing giving me anxiety hypothetically was you. <laughs> so I thought I'd let you know. But, so- but the, I guess the point is we tend to go to the lowest person rather than the, the happier person bringing yeah. us up. The sadder person or whatever moody person will bring yeah. us down. Because it's easier. Mm-hmm. It's easier to, to kind of like go into the downward direction. Like it takes work to stay happy, to stay yes. grateful, to stay mm-hmm. healthy. Like I wish it was easy, but that's why it's it's work. That's why like we often go for comfort food, even though it, we know it's not healthy. And we know like it'd probably be healthier for us to go for a walk. But mm-hmm. like a box of donuts looks amazing and it's right here. And I know it's going to make me feel happy even for a hot second. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why like it's, it's okay to realize that it's just way easier to kind of meet the person down below than to like lift them up. But there's also an awesome opportunity to kind of like level up if you have it in you. Mm -hmm. The only way that you can level up for your partner is if you're leveling up for yourself, which is why it's so important for you to like fill your cup and make sure you're doing your Mm non-negotiables, whatever those might be for you. Because when your cup is full, well, you can share a little bit with your partner if they're running on empty. Mm -hmm. But if you're both running on empty, then forget about it. Like, it's going to be so hard. I'm trying to think when Ben and I have our little moments, because they happen. Like, we're in quarantine right now. We are with our partners all the time. And I love Benjamin. Benjamin's my best friend. But sometimes, I'm like, I just, I need a little bit of quiet time and he needs a little bit of quiet time. So like, I feel like even if you're in a really awesome, healthy relationship, you're bound to have moments where you're just like, how do we do this? And I think for us, what we figured out is like movement is our medicine. Mm -hmm. Movement is just the the fastest way. And this works for us. It's not to say it works for everyone. It's the fastest way for us to change our mindset. It's Mm -hmm. the fastest to just like have an outlet. And it's kind of cool if you can do it together, especially if you're both having a bad day. Yeah. I know it's probably difficult if you have kids. I obviously don't have kids. I have no idea like the time management that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. But you got to know like, I think you got to know like your your quick exit. Like let's say you are having a bad day and your partner's having a bad day. Like what is in your toolbox to shake it up? Yeah. Is yeah. it like a walk? Is it a couple, a little bit of time apart? Is it a dance party? Is it fake it till you make it? Is it working out? Is, I don't know. You got to just like, I think the thing is, is like those moments will happen. So mm-hmm. how can you set yourself up for success for the next time it inevitably does yeah. and maybe something different? Do you have days where you think it's healthy to not care about being healthy? That makes sense. Like where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. today I like moving. That is how I feel good. But today I'm actually just going to sit on the couch and eat a pizza. Do you give yourself a full day? Like a cheat day? You do? Yeah. Oh, so I actually call them treat days. Treat so days. Cheating, nice. I like yes, that twist. Yeah. I used to call them cheat days. And then someone was like, but I mean, does cheating ever really feel good? Like, do you ever feel like good if you cheat on a partner, if you cheat on a test, if you cheat on yourself, you cheat on your goals? Like, it's not really a good feeling. Like, it kind of feels like a shitty thing to do, Mm -hmm. especially to yourself. So I like to call them treat days instead, because treats are like something awesome, something you can look forward to. So I love a good treat day. Mm-hmm. I think if I ate junk food for an entire day, I would probably feel really, really sick. Yeah. But <laughs> you can handle it by all means. But I love treat days. I lo- and I they're part of my health journey. Mm-hmm. Like I like to live an AB20 rule, which means every week I treat myself. And I try to schedule them in and I try to look forward to them. So I'm a sucker for pizza, extra cheesy nachos, and like an obnoxious amount of sushi. Like sushi is my latest like go-to. So we'll order a, a sushi boat. And usually they'll send us about like, 
five or six chopsticks. But really, it's just for us. And we eat, we eat it until like <laughs> we are so stuffed and there's wine and it's like a thing we look forward to. Maybe there's ice cream after. I don't know. Like whatever we want because it's our treat night. And for mm-hmm. me, I use that as motivation to be healthy. Like we're working at home all the time. Yeah. Every afternoon, I'm like, maybe I'll just have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then, and then I'm just like, kind of feel like I'm not living that 80-20 life. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of treats. I'm a big fan of like treat nights or treat days if that's what you want. Like everyone's different, but you make it a thing. Like you like really take a moment to be mindful with your treats. Like if Craig's cookies, one of my clients loves Craig's cookies. And she's like, I can't give it up. I'm like, don't. <laughs> but like, do it once a week. And I want you to like, make it a thing. Like you were having a date with yourself and Craig's cookies. And instead of eating it in like two seconds flat, you're going to chew it. You're going to savor it. And you're going to like be so mindfully present with your Craig's cookie that it's going to be like going to a yoga class and you're going to enjoy every moment of it. And then yeah. you go back to eating. That's what yeah. we try to do on our mm-hmm. date nights. We try to really kind of overdo it in a sense but we're really mm-hmm. present in that moment and yeah. every bite we're so uh, aware of it mm-hmm. which is so often with a bag of chips it's very easy to it's not mindless. be mindful you're yeah. just snacking yeah. but tv wise what is like a version of uh, i guess they would call it a guilty pleasure kind of a lame expression but what is that program for you oh i mean the office is a classic mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of art, artful. Like, is there a reality show? Like, I feel like Arrested oh. Development and The Office are amazing, artful yeah. TV shows. Still, do you watch like Temptation Island or The Bachelor? No, not a Bachelor. Um, I know I ha- I find it so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very frustrating because I'm I'm either like a big fa- I just and we talk about it so much on the show. I just had, I can't really get into. it. I did watch Caitlin Bristow's year because she's Canadian mm. and. Yep. She- I was like a girl that wears Converse. I can get behind. <laughs> I'm trying to think trashy television. I well, I don't have television at home, so maybe that's why I don't watch reality. Oh, okay. I don't know, guys. No. I don't know. I don't have a good answer. There's nothing embarrassing that you watch. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> that's pretty think. good. Like huh? I've definitely like I've gotten into the Love Island world, but like I'll mm. tell you, I'll I'll sit here and pretend that it was for work. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to talk about it, but I kind of really did like it. I don't know. Okay, so one one thing I like that admitted, like it's, I loved Gwyneth Paltrow had a show come out on Netflix, The Goop Lab, and it's like a wellness show, but so much of it is, is just insane or like just something that is not practical for everyday life, right? And that's the nature of wellness sometimes and of that industry. And I was curious, like as a wellness curator yourself, is there any trend that you ever got involved with that you realized is just bullshit? Um, back in the day, I used to do like everything. I used to do like every diet. This was like back when I was not, I thought I was being healthy. I was like not healthy. Like all the lemon cayenne thing, the cabbage soup diet. I felt like everyone did that all the time. Yeah, I heard of that. Um, Yeah. What was was the worst? Probably the cabbage soup because your farts are just so (laughs) like that much cabbage just like, yeah, okay, not many calories, but man, oh man, like you can't go anywhere. That would make so you so that- bloated too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, you looked pregnant, you smelled like poop. It was just <laughs> like, you had no energy. Yeah, definitely would not recommend that one. That that goop show though, I, I really, I quite found that entertaining. I mean, completely unattainable and unrealistic mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. only really rich people in LA could 
get behind a lot of it, but I did. I liked it. Oh, we no, we loved yeah. watching it for that reason. And I just like seeing things, even if they're not practical. I like just seeing what people do. Well, ayahuasca is something that fascinates me. Is that something you would try? If- I like the whole shitting your pants thing. Mm-hmm. Is that ayahuasca or peyote? Which one of the one of it's the ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Your pants? I don't. Yeah. And like, well, you vomit a lot. But like that part. Yeah, like I just I don't love when things come out of my body without me having a say over it. With pants on, it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, ugh, I mean, I, I, it's just like that part really throws me off. But I really do love the idea mm-hmm. of doing a psychedelic in a safe mm-hmm. environment. Like, I don't know if I would do it like here. Like, I think I'd have to do it in the right in the right space. But that kind of stuff really intrigues me. But. That's also just like the 20 year old in me that says, try everything. It'll be great. (laughs) Okay, Chloe, we're just going to take a quick break to let our audience know that we are supported by my breast friend. My breast friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who feed their babies. Did you know breast and my breast friend is spelled B-R-E-S-T and not B-R-E-A-S-T? I only do because you remind me every week, Shane. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> my breast friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. Lactation consultants around the world credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible. What I loved about it is that it actually clips at your back so unlike other nursing pillows like i'll be feeding the baby and then i'll get up to put her in her crib and it's still attached to me so it doesn't wake her up when it like falls on the floor and whatever you know it's just those nice little things there's a pocket for your water for your cell phone i'm 100 percent with you <laughs> <laughs> it's simply the best most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding you can purchase my breast friend online at buybuybaby.com target.com walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. But we are also supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. And tonight, we are drinking a delicious drink by Seedlip. Oh, it is so good, and it's the best thing for dry January, which I know a lot of our listeners are doing and i've seen some people doing dry february too so yeah so get on it but as a non-drinker it never feels good when your only options are like water sodas and sugary mocktails now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life so whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors aromatic spices or savory herbs seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker it's crafted using a bespoke process including traditional copper distillation of botanicals And each of Seedlip's three variants, so we've got Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But if you want to make more complex cocktails like Shane and I make every week for the podcast... Alex, you you do all the work, but thank thank you for including me. (laughs) You can find them in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore N-A. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off of your order. This is available in Canada and the US. So again, head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use promo code thisfamilytree10. And we are also supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best nursing bras that you will find. And why does Alex know that? Well, that's a great question. I introduced her to Bravado by mere accident, but sometimes the best things in life are very lucky. 
here I am thinking that you changed my life in the most profound way when we first met or when we got married or when we had the kids. But no, it was when you came home with my Bravado Designs bra. And I threw it at you and I said, here, catch. And you said, thanks. This is amazing. (laughs) But it really did turn out to be the most comfortable bra that I could have used and so user-friendly for breastfeeding. Even after I was done breastfeeding Lucy, I wore it for the months following just because I was so used to it. I loved it so much and I didn't want to take it off. But now Bravado Designs has an everyday collection. So they don't have clips on the bras. You don't need to be a breastfeeding mother to wear it. You don't need to be a breastfeeding mother to wear it and you will love the comfort from them. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. So again, that is bravadodesigns.com for the nursing bras or access to everything including the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com and promo code thisfamilytree20. But now let's get back to our interview with Chloe. Well, I read I read that Steve Jobs did acid and it it helped him think more creatively. I considered myself the creative type. So one night I said, I'm going to do acid. And I did it. And it, it was the worst experience of my life. I thought, oh, if I do it once, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst happened. Mm-hmm. I, was in, I was in a tailspin for like three weeks. I had to quit my job. I was like my brain wasn't functioning properly because I got myself in a panic disorder. And it was called depersonalization. And it was very hard to break out of. So the worst possible thing happened to me. So now I'm totally off the idea of psychedelics. Like mushrooms. Yeah microdosing or having some mushrooms that's one thing but acid and ayahuasca terrify me mm-hmm. because of yeah that's the- very valid i can't believe that happened to you for three weeks well i'm three just warning weeks. you because it seems like you share a similar anxiety and i find people who are overthinkers or deep yeah. thinkers they yeah. can get really fucked up because my buddy, he's more of a casual, like, oh, what's nothing bad's going like to happen. Like an easy breezy kind of person. Yeah, it wasn't the drug. It was the person taking the drug that yeah. was mm-hmm. a little off. My, my intrigue in acid is long gone. Yeah. I, I did want to try it, and I was on a mission to try it when I was like in my early 20s at Bonnaroo. Um, <sighs> well, man, so it was a great <laughs> festival. We drove down straight from Montreal, didn't stop once not the safest we got there we didn't have water we didn't have a gazebo we had nothing but we had a great time and that was like i was like this is a great opportunity to do acid like (laughs) yeah we get them i air quote i was so excited i'm with like my boys and we're just like about to have the best trip ever and go see pretty lights and just like dance Mm -hmm. all night it was an acid it was nothing. And then that's my acid story. Oh, so you that's actually took it. Yeah. That's a blessing. I'm telling you, it's a blessing. I know. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm good. I think if it was meant to be, it would have happened and it didn't. And since then, I've never really been intrigued. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. All well, right. uh, Alex has a game yeah. she wants to play to close off here. All She's right. so really excited about it. I'm really excited. So we're going to do a hot or not. Shane took one of my things already and already brought it up in conversation. That oh, was no. ayahuasca. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Ignore that. Well, so, I'll edit it out. I'm doing a really quick switch. I'm trying to think of something new on the fly. All right, so I'm going to give you just a list of things. You're going to tell me if it's hot or not. Healthy is hot or not, okay? So the first, <laughs> the first thing we have, cold therapy. Hot. Hot. Have you ever done it? No, but I really want to. <laughs> I really, really want to. I've done like the ice bath thing. 
and like the cold jumps and lakes and blah, 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 but I've never done cryo, but it's like something I really want to do. I'm just like very panicky about the pandemic. So I very rarely leave the house, but it's mm-hmm. on my list of things to do. Mm-hmm. No, I want to get into the Wim Hof breathing method. Uh, next, cannabis. Not for me. Not hot. Mm-hmm. Lots of other people though. Follow me. I get very paranoid and anxious and like not, not in a good headspace, but. Yep. Used Fair. to be hot for me, not anymore, but for other people, by all means. No, that would that would put me on my ass these days. Uh cosmetic surgery. I think you gotta do you, boo. Like I think I think if it's something I have a girlfriend of mine who I'd known her since she was like gosh, we were ten. And from ten she felt just like her nose just didn't reflect her and it was I'm not much gorgeous. And then she got the tiniest procedure done. To me, she looked exactly the same. <laughs> and it changed. And she got it when she was like 17 or something. But mm-hmm. it just like changed the way she felt about herself or the way she walked into a room. So I think for that, you got to do you. But if you're doing it to look like someone else, <coughs> Kylie. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's tough, not, I'm not a huge fan of that, okay? But if it's to like make you feel like a version of you that you just don't see when you see the mirror, I think I'm too politically correct to answer this question. But No, <laughs> no I think that's, that's a, good, a good answer. I think that's a good answer too. Uh, next, so I had she, this was ayahuasca, so I'm changing it. Polygamy. Polygamy. <laughs> I like how you switched pretty quick. Though. Um, not for me. I um, I I think I have some jealous tendencies mm-hmm. inside me, and I don't I don't think I share well when it comes to my partner. Yeah. No, we just heard somebody was just on our podcast talking about the fact that thruples exist, which is like a three. That would. I would go insane. Do you remember that? We were talking about last week. Yeah, thruples. I know a thruple. You do? I I wouldn't say like I'm good friends with them. They're like friends of friends of mine. And we're afraid for them. Like, honestly. Is it two two women? women? Yeah, it's always two women. Yeah. Yeah, they live in the same house. um, And they're like so happy and so in love. But there's no Uh, jealousy? I guess not. Like, I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. Oh my god! And also, like in the bedroom, like it, that seems very confusing to yeah. me. There's so many body parts, like that, just makes me. I no. I, well, again, to me, that's a nightmare. Uh, I get social anxiety about even the idea of a threesome. Even, even with <laughs> even with two women, it's like, uh, what am I doing? And then she, one's bearing witness to how weird it is. But but what if you had to pick a thruple situation? Which oddly, I had written down. I don't know how this happens perfectly, but. <laughs> Would you rather it be another woman uh, or would you rather it be another man? Okay, I think if 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 we're not talking in the bedroom. Yeah, just to. I, think I would, I think like just couple wise, like two men, I think. Yeah. I think I, I just get along better with guys than I do with girls. Mm. There's some girls that I really vibe with, but overall, I don't know. I can't even imagine this. Being, I'm like sweating just thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah. No, the logistics of it, just like not even sexually, but just in, being in a relationship is too much for me. And then when it comes to the relationship and comes to the intimacy side, I, I get like hot, like angry thinking about it. And like I've seen Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I know how these things end. It doesn't end well. Oh, you would love another man. Well, maybe. For sure. But I mean, if I had to choose, <laughs> if I had to choose. Now you're locked in. But, no way. Yeah. All right. Next one. This is the last one. Hot or not, butthole tanning. Have you heard of this? Or butthole sunning, sunbathing your butthole. What does that even mean? So mm. it's when just like spreading the cheeks out and just tan? Yeah, so it's like lying on your back and then you like put your legs over your head and the sun sure. has direct <laughs> it's got direct 
vantage point to your butthole and apparently like certified health nut did this all these like wellness gurus on instagram and everything it was like a huge trend over the summer they would like spend 10 minutes sunbathing their butthole so it's less for how it looks and more for it's supposed to revitalize you yes it's supposed to vitamin d absorption they're doing it i get it it's like a sun enema hmm um, I don't know the science about this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say not. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of an easy one to pick. <laughs> I don't know. People could be into it. It's like a comfortable position and naked. Mm-hmm. Like where we live in, we, where are you going to do that and not have people see you? Like where are these people living? I I, and, I don't know if they care. And to get a sunburn, that would be oh. so terrible in that spot. That'd be awful. Yeah. It'd be horrendous. Every time you walked. Oh my goodness. And it would be so vulnerable to a sunburn because presumably the sun doesn't really, that when people say I'm going (laughs) to kick you where the sun don't shine, it's usually in that area. Yeah, it would be horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought of getting burned there. True. But Chloe, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much. If people want to check out Healthy is Hot, if they want to check out your coaching, which I know you have an Mm. account for and just check out you, where can they go and find everything Chloe Wild online? (laughs) This has been really fun, guys. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, yeah, so my new coaching website, da, 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 yeah, I did it myself. So don't judge me. It's at chloewild.ca, and I'm really, really proud of it. So there's that. And then on social, the Chloe Wild, healthy is hot is just healthy is hot. Feel free to slide into my DMs. I'm totally cool with it, unless it's inappropriate, and then I'll block you. Of so course, just beware. Yes. Fair, very fair. Chloe, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We really had a blast and found out a lot about each other, I think. So appreciate it. (laughs) We now know where there's lines crossed. Right, right. No, but thank you so much and uh, truly hope you enjoy your week. But thanks for sitting down with us today. Yes. All right. And now this is something that gives me social anxiety, which is logging (laughs) off from a Zoom. I'm not sure if you feel that, but I'm always rushing to get out of there because I feel so uncomfortable. (laughs) So I'm talking about it so it's not as awkward. All right, I'm ready. Bye, Zoe. Th- or Chloe. <laughs> See how panicked I <laughs> Later, Zoe. All right. End perfectly. All right, yeah. bye, Chloe. No, it didn't work. Fuck. Oh, I got to hit this part. Oh. Okay, that was Chloe. That was awesome. She was so much fun. You guys work together and, you know, I just, I feel like I know her a little bit. I guess that's the vibe you get when you follow somebody on Instagram or have seen them in a show but she was so candid. She was so easy to talk to. And I legitimately had a blast. Like, it was so nice to sit down for that interview and just talk. Yet, although we work in the same building, if we are ever permitted to get back in the building and when COVID's over, I think if I passed her in the hallway, I still would kind of keep my head down. And you walk. would not. I'm that kind of guy. I'm that kind of weird, socially awkward person. Like she did another podcast that I have called The Pedestal which I haven't done in forever, but it was a movie podcast. And we had done it, and I saw her again, and I was like, geez, I don't know how to act outside of a setting where we are actually have an excuse to talk, like we were talking about on the pod. So I feel like uh, a kindred nature with Chloe and I where we both suffer from various anxieties and thrive in weird <laughs> situations that some people think maybe a person with anxiety wouldn't. But speaking of something that doesn't give me anxiety is our end listener mailbag segment. And the reason I don't have any worries is because Alex has researched all of these questions. She's found the answers and I just got to sit back and kick in my two cents. And there's really no pressure on me here. So let's begin. All right. So our first question, what would you do if Shane accidentally got you pregnant? 
well, I would immediately probably break down and, and start sobbing out of sheer terror of the idea of three kids. Anybody who has listened to this podcast knows that Shane and I are quite happy with two. And the thought of bringing a third kid in is terrifying to us. I feel like we may have gotten this question before, but this is more relevant maybe than ever because I can't exactly go and have elective surgery to get the SNP, <laughs> what's it called? Vasectomy. Yeah, vasectomy. So, it, hey, it could happen. I am pretty good with coitus interruptus, but if the question is, would we keep it or give it up for adoption, let's just pretend those are the only two options, I would say you would... Keep, we'd keep it right it, it'd be very hard like you hate pregnancy and i don't think you're the type of person who could go through nine months and oh. hand that baby over you'd be like i work for it of course and i mean you know just having gone through it twice before and you know the the miscarriage as well like just the emotions that i feel you you get so connected immediately at least i did and yeah, there's no way I'd be able to sacrifice my body again and then give it up. So yes, we would keep it. So I would then, after we make that decision, renovate the basement because we are going to need more room. And we have a big old basement down there that, you know, has like stone walls, a stone floor, and we would need that space. Well, let's hope that child never grows to be above five 10 because the head <laughs> might be bumping on the ceiling it's true uh but then the next thing i would do is somehow i don't know how we could put more hours in the day but if we could somehow work like better or harder to make more money just because three kids is like the thought of financially taking care of three kids makes me terrified what do you spend the most on children you think in a lifetime oh no it was in the rebel mama's book tell me not the amount. 80. Not the amount. Oh. What is the item that you're spending the most on? College or university if they go. Oh. Well, Which that's, like, e that's like optional though. We don't have to grand. do that. <laughs> we don't have to do that. But, look, but these kids are all going to be YouTubers in the future. It doesn't really matter. They're all going to be YouTubers? Probably. Na name a kid who's not an influencer <laughs> or aspiring influencer. They're all on TikTok making money. Okay. So what do you mean? Like an item? Like, okay, clothing, food. Sports. Daycare, sports. If they do activities. Yeah. Let's assume the kids all follow in my path. Well, daycare is a lot. Daycare is a lot of money. So here, another thing that I was, that I wrote down is that we have to get Nona to move in and your dad, like they just have to move in. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you needed to write that down. <laughs> Don't forget, if Shane accidentally impregnates me, get Nona, move in. <laughs> well, we need her. It would be impossible to do on our own. It, well, impossible. don't lose that note because we're going to need it <laughs> if you actually do get pregnant. All right. The next question. What economic class do you think has the happiest life? I would think, and I've I've heard that $70,000 is the perfect amount to make, or 77000 where if you go over it, it doesn't necessarily increase your happiness and there's a higher likelihood that you'll be stressed out. But if you make just 77 it's the perfect amount where you're comfortable enough where you're not in a high enough position to be always stressed out and chasing the more money am i right okay so you're close so personally before i researched this i thought it, wait is seventy-seven thousand middle class yeah okay and, and that's household income or is that just one person making that much i think you consider like household income right or one person I don't know. I don't know. Alex, you're supposed to be... I think it's household. Household income. Do you want to Google it real quick? Okay. 
Okay, so CNBC was talking about, which I found online, a 2018 study from Purdue University. So they found that the ideal income point for individuals is $95,000 for life satisfaction and 60 to $75,000 for emotional well-being. And when people earned more than $105,000, the happiness levels actually decreased. So that's per individual. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, man. So, okay, so before researching this, if you asked me, I would have thought that it would be the middle class, but more importantly than class, I would think, would be how they viewed life, how they prioritized things in their life, and if they're successful in tearing themselves away from like consumerism, right? So if you could say, you know what, we are perfectly happy to maybe be spending our money on experiences, on doing things together, on clubs and sports and whatever rather than stuff that's still really but expensive it's though. so expensive but the thing is if you can cut out all the crap that kids get that you get as parents but then that's hard to do too and that's really hard to tear yourself away from especially i think experiences kids to too if you're middle class experiences get very costly and sporting event and all i think that sports are so costly but you can do low-cost experiences like my whole childhood we went camping all the time like we had a pop-up trailer so you make like a one-time payment for a pop-up trailer go camping all summer and that's low-cost experiences that you remember for your whole life so my answer prior to researching would be middle class who aren't slaves to the man but upon research i found some interesting things so i found an article written by kim parker for the pew research center and she said the upper middle to upper class are shown to be generally happier and that derives from them being healthier more satisfied with their jobs their housing and their family life and only 29 percent of those in the upper class say they frequent this is what i find hard to believe so only 29 percent of those in the upper class say they frequently experience stress compared with 37 percent of those in the middle class and then 58 percent of those in the lower class see that doesn't make sense to me does it if you're if you're lower class and you're struggling paycheck to paycheck that has to be tough oh well of course of course but that makes sense to me but i guess i would have thought that the people in the upper classes would have been stressed with like I don't know usually to usually people that are making more money have higher level jobs and that requires more from them typically so mm -hmm. that that seems stressful to me too but anyway interesting next question who are your favorite influencers and your favorite podcasts so i'll go first because shane will probably have a better podcast answer because he's more of the podcast guy my favorite influencers so skincare by Hiram if you don't follow Hiram and you are just interested in taking care of your skin follow him he's amazing and all the stuff he talks about is like affordable stuff he's amazing he's a kid I don't know how old he is like he might be like 18 but he's a total kid he is so smart he is so cute and like just so nice you'll love him uh next for celebrity influencers i guess i just like chrissy teigen i think she's hilarious i love her and lastly at jt firstman so he's a writer and a comedian and he does a lot of these like funny impressions but not impressions of people impressions of like what a toaster is saying to the toast when it's being toasted i don't know if that's what he does but it's like stuff like that do you get what i mean it sounds very 
humorous. Yeah, I know. He's very funny. Uh, and then my favorite podcast, I like Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. He uses a lot of awesome resources, like really ancient texts, and he's just got such a cool reading voice. And then I like Lore, which they do like dark historical tales and, you know, like mysteries that have actually happened and stuff like that. Very cool stuff. But Shane, who is your favorite influencer i guess nathan fielder if we're calling him an influencer a podcast i like is one called this is important it's a new podcast it's very hilarious though it's from the guys from workaholics adam divine anders home and blake anderson uh those guys are an awesome team and they also have their buddy kyle i I don't know his last name but he directed workaholics and uh it's just an awesome podcast they never have guests on and they don't need them. It's just stories about Hollywood and while they were starting to get famous and they're not scared to say anything. Like, I can't believe some of the stuff they actually admit <laughs> to, like like stuff we could never get away with, needless <laughs> to say. No, I need to listen to that because you've been talking about them a lot the past few weeks. And I feel like I got it. My next run. Why not? I should I should do it on my next run. It sounds like it'd be motivating. Like, you know, laughs keep me going. Next question. Alex mentioned how she was scared to run alone. Have either of you ever been caught in a scary situation? So yes, which is why I'm terrified to run alone. So when I was 16, I had a knife pulled on me on like the one of the busiest streets in Hamilton on Upper Wentworth. So it was right out like right across from, you know, the main mall in our city. And three guys came up to me and my brother pulled a knife on us and want us to give them our wallets. It was so scary. But luckily, the guys were on so many drugs or something. Thank goodness. Well, they were, I like my attackers <laughs> methed out. But they weren't with it. So the guy was like taking swings and everything, but we were able to kind of dodge them. And then my brother and I just kind of looked at each other and bolted when these guys, they, they were having a meeting about like what they should do with us. Mm-hmm. And then my brother and I bolted and there was a house party going on and we ran into the garage with the house party. Like we're it's like a Mentos crying. And then the guys, it was like, 25 30 year olds and they came out and they were acting like our bodyguards and they just stood there and then the three little dweebs with a knife went the other direction do you understand my mentos reference no the fresh maker yeah you've never seen mentos commercial yeah i don't know one about a party no there isn't but they get out of situations Uh, with ingenious methods i get it now so (laughs) She's looking like he just wants to go to bed. No, after I'm not. That. I'm not. Uh, I, I enjoyed the topic. Do you want? Do you want well, another? I have. Yeah. So two other times, I was followed home from work when I worked at a local bar. There was a slow moving van, and it was filled with a bunch of men in their what looked to be their fifties. And they started like they pulled right up to me. I was walking on the sidewalk. They pulled right up to me, opened the door. They were trying to get me in. They were hammered out of their minds, and it was like so terrifying it was so terrifying so i was like okay they're all in the car but there's what five or six of them and i'm okay right now because i'm on the sidewalk i can see my house so i could sprint there but what if they got out and tried to grab me right now like they were they were hanging out of the car and like telling me to come in and like all this gross stuff it was very scary and then another time i was rollerblading and a guy in his car was following me up and down streets and I had to find a friend's house. I was like far away from my house. So I rollerbladed to a friend's house and got her grandma to call the cops. Wow. No, that's that's very scary. And like, you know, for me when I'm out, I never even think about 
getting attacked or anything like you know i i think it's a possibility but it's never on my mind i guess that's a luxury of being a buff man buff well buff i <laughs> you add, are, you are. i added in buff for <laughs> make myself feel better i'm not buff at all but have i been in scary situations yeah that's i th- i think everyone's been in scary situations i was bullied heavily growing up i was very passive kind child and a lot of people tried to take advantage of that and beat me up and a whole bunch of stuff growing up. I, every day, I think for a year, I was like bullied and I actually thought I was going to like get seriously injured. And when I was in grade one, I remember I, I was so scared that I was getting beaten. There was a, a girl bullying me. So, so I wait, like physically or yeah, physically, oh she was a great, great older than me, but I was very scared of her and I didn't know what to do. So I grabbed a steak knife. Oh, Jesus. And I just, as for protection, and I was just like telling everyone, like, you know, I'm, I'm six years old. So I'm telling everyone, oh, I, I, got, a, I got a steak knife if anything happens. Like, oh hoping, hoping word breaks out to this other child that she doesn't hurt me. And then, of course, they all told the principal, and I was suspended. And, you know, I'm six years old. So it's like, what's the, my intelligence level to even understand the ramifications of what the knife means? And- so, wait, did she, had she like beaten you up? Well, I'd been cornered and like threatened and, you know, I'm very terrified and like scared at at this point. Yeah. So that was one time that that really stands out mainly because I went to such extreme measures. And then another time uh, my mom's like, again, six was a big year for me. My parents got divorced and then my mom started bringing men over like my mom would go to a bar and then you know have one <laughs> have one night stands uh, and sometimes the men who came over would be quite inebriated and i would come out of my room like mom and then one time this guy he was kind of scary and he started he was really drunk and he started chasing me around my ping pong table the hell? and he was kind of pretending he was a monster but it also seemed like he was going to kill me and that was a very scary moment for me that i'll never forget and uh, yeah, unfortunately, I had a couple weird run-ins with drunk people at my house that was scary. See, so like, I want his name. I want the name of the girl. Her name, I, I can say her name. Her name was Amber. I remember her name. She was blonde. She was kind of, you know, but the, all these bullies and things like this, these people often come from homes where that aren't right. And they're trying, like, they're bullied by their parents and they're taking it out. So it's like. The hurt people hurt people mentality, right? I'm hoping these people are all normal right now, minus the like guy who's probably in his sixties right now. Who's... <laughs> Chases kids around yeah. ping pong yeah, tables hopefully on a Saturday he's, night. Yeah, uh, hopefully he's wised up because that's not nice to children. Oh my god, no, that's awful. Honestly, I, I I want these people's names, and I just you want to get them, and I just I want to get them. Like I want to get them. It's scary, but yeah, bullies terrible. Let's all try to be so nice, but. Next question. My toddler is hitting their baby sibling when they get angry. I don't have patience and I get nervous, so I yell. What would you do? All of the parenting experts that I like, so especially Janet Lansbury, I really love her. She has a great podcast, but they all suggest you know, helping your child identify the emotions underneath their anger. Because if you just tell them not to hit, not to hit, they're not really going to be able to ever separate like violence from sadness or violence from frustration. So you have to help them understand the difference between those two and help them not feel like they need to suppress, you know, sad emotions, frustrated emotions, or just anything 
but set boundaries for the actions that they're taking. So toddlers, their brains are not fully developed and they are still working on self-regulation. So they don't know how to do that. So their self-regulation looks like crying. It looks like throwing food. It looks like hitting. It looks like sometimes hitting themselves. Lucy went through a phase where she was bonking her head off the wall. Like when she would get angry, it was the scariest thing that I had ever seen. But she didn't know how to tell us that she was upset. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. It was... (laughs) sorry am I supposed to say more she was really bonkers yeah no it was horrible but so you want to allow the feeling and try to help your kid understand that but also give them boundaries and teach them that the behavior whatever it is is not okay so say if they want to watch a show right like they want to watch blippy but you don't want them to watch any tv or any more tv and you say Okay, Lucy, hypothetically, I know you want to watch Blippi, but it's not time for that. And I know that makes you sad and that's okay, but it's not okay to throw your toy at Betty. It hurts her and I won't allow that. So you try to, you know, in a breath, tell your kid, I'm sorry, this makes you sad, but it doesn't mean we can do it. Mm -hmm. And even though you're sad, which is totally okay, does not mean that you can lash out and hurt your sister. I found it, it really works for Lucy and it, every time I've done it, she's just been way calmer, if not totally calm afterwards. Oh my gosh, yeah. And like, I think about Lucy's vocabulary when it comes to language from when, you know, right before we had Betty, when I'd say her tantrums really started. And then I think they peaked probably when Betty was like two months. And from then on, her language about tantrums and about being upset has gotten so much better. And she's no longer like doing any self-harm. She is not lashing out at Betty. Sometimes she'll like throw food or just like start really pouting. But she does not do the, you know, stomp it on the floor or anything anymore. Like she understands the boundaries and she understands that she's allowed to be sad and she's allowed to feel angry. And we'll help her get through those emotions. Like she understands that we're there for her. And I think that's the most important thing. The next question, how do you motivate yourselves to get work done? So I am a rough person to ask. I've always had a problem with intrinsic motivation. Uh, I'll make goals. And like Shana said before, I, I have lofty dreams, but I never develop. If you get pissed off, I find you're the most motivated person in the world. So is that my only, ex- it's a tr- but that's it's, extrinsic. Yeah. That's not intrinsic really. Okay, but I, how do, how do I motivate you? I'll just piss you off. And you'll be like, <laughs> F Shane, he doesn't think I can do it. And then, then all of a sudden amazing work happens. No, but that's, that's the thing. So it's like, you know, I'll make these goals, but it's unless I have something that's really getting me fired up, I don't follow through with good strategies or good process. And that always just seems so secondary to me. But Shane actually had me listen to this awesome podcast this week. So it was a guy named James Clear, and he was on a podcast called The James Smith Podcast. He talks about how your end goals don't matter unless you have a good process and you need to fall in love with the process. Yeah, you need to appreciate that process and like more than the goals almost, but you have to make it a part of your life because nothing is incredible in the process like he talks about you know nobody's talking about the screenwriter who is currently writing a broadway play they only talk about the broadway play that's an overnight success and winning all the tonys but then it's like yeah that screenwriter busted his ass for three years putting in two hours a day you know saying no to certain things and really working so hard at it so it's like you need to understand that 
you need to make habits and you need to build these good habits to help achieve the goals you want to do. And I think this is so good for me. I think it's so good for any parent who wants to do anything else. But I found that podcast so useful to listen to since I'm trying to set better habits for myself. And I started using an app called Any Do. It's any.do to help me keep notes and tasks. I'm still learning how to use it and I might switch it off for Google Keep. But that's what I'm doing. But Shane, what do you like? You are somebody who is so good at staying motivated. How do you do that? I think I have a loser complex. I'm constantly thinking I'm a total loser. And I have a, a is it called chip on your shoulder? I don't even yeah. know. And I feel dumb at all times. And I'm always out to prove to people that I can be successful. And that is something that is from a fear of, I guess, having nothing. I felt like. I wasn't intelligent growing up. I felt like I was never going to have a job, a girlfriend, anything. And I used effort as a way to overcome the things that I wasn't good at. Because I thought if I try the hardest, then I can be better than somebody who's smarter than me, but not necessarily willing to put in the effort. And that's always been my plan. And uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But one thing I know is when you don't do it, it never works. Mm -hmm. Well, see, it's funny because, you know, I compare you to other people that I know that have a chip on their shoulder that come from possibly a similar background as you, like very similar. However, the people that I'm thinking of, they don't necessarily, they have lofty dreams, they have lofty goals or just they have goals, but they don't have a process. And then they have these very strong opinions, but they have nothing to back them up. Like, so they have very hard stances on things where the chip on the shoulder comes from but they don't have anything to show for it because they're not willing to put in the work. So it's like you have, I, I, I just, I, you are so unique in that, even among people with a chip on their shoulder. Like you are so unique in that. Yeah, I, I think too, something that really motivated me as a kid was the movie called Rushmore came out mm. when I was at the perfect age to see it. It was kind of this underachiever academically, but overachieving in every other aspect in life. It's honestly, it's amazing and it's inspiring and I need... To, I need to do it. I need to do it and I need to adopt that because right now I have none of that and I, I need yeah. to adopt that in my life. And don't be scared of the 20 failures because the victory, the one victory within those 20 failures, to me at least, feels much better. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. Well, especially then because it's something that you've worked so hard at, you, you know, been disappointed with, whatever. And then it's, what did they say? There's a, there's a phrase here. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. No, something it tastes so sweet, like the victory tasting sweet. Isn't there a phrase like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Victory tastes sweet like a pie. No, I don't. <laughs> we'll no. go with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last question. What is your... <laughs> I'm sorry. This sounds so stupid <laughs> considering how everything is gone. What is your favorite thing about the way the other person looks? So I'll start. So I really love the middle of Shane's face. So like the like, middle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it. Is that just no, the like, nose? No, no, no. So like I love your whole face, obviously, and I love your whole body. But like your eyes and nose. So like the middle, you know, it's like not the forehead, not the chin and mouth area. So like, there's something about your eyes and nose that is like so. I can get poetic. Mm. So soft but so intense at the same time oh, wow. <laughs> and like your eyes they're little 
right? Like, I have, like, big bulgy eyes, but you have, like, little, like, squinty eyes. Yeah, you're like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> but hot. I always have to end it with but hot because I'm not... Um, your eyes are also kind of slanted up. So, like, they go down on the outsides, kind of, and then up on the inside, if that makes sense. And I but... got to look at myself more often. I don't... <laughs> How do I not even know this? I'm going to look at my face here while you're describing this. <laughs> but it's like it, it, there's just such a a softness to it, to the way they are and your expressions and your eyes when mm-hmm. you when you talk or when you look at me. And then your nose. I just think it's a hot nose. I, I think you have, mm. like I tell you, it's like a strong Roman nose. And it's just. Yeah, you wouldn't want to see my nose in a dark alley at night. <laughs> That's what, my, that's what my pepper sprays for. I feel like I could beat anyone in a nose war. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have you have a really good nose, and uh, your eyes are like yeah, gentle slash super intense, which can be like scary as much as it is comforting. You know what I mean? I do, yeah, I don't know when. Sometimes my sister says this too, like she's scared of me. And that hurts me. I'm like, I'm scary. I'm the most, like, I'm the scared one. I, I shouldn't be scaring people. I don't like that idea. And you sometimes act like you're scared of well, me. No, because you have, like, this intensity behind you. And it's just because I think that you're not so jovial. Like, you're not walking around with, you know, like, ha I'm Shane. This is a Monday. Ha-ha, let's do this. I can be that way. You can be that way. But I think... It it's different and it's not something that's so always at the surface for you. So sometimes you might be feeling that, but you're not showing it. And, you know, your eyes get very intense or they get incredibly soft. And it's mm. it's amazing and I love them. Mm. Oh, that makes me feel so, uh, <laughs> I don't know, cool and mysterious. I like this. I, okay, for you, what do I like? Okay, move your, move your fist here. <laughs> Let me take a good look at you. Okay, what do you got here? Okay. Okay, skip the chin. Okay, let's... No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, you have a good chin. Very prominent chin, but that's not my favorite thing, although I do love it. Move your fist. Sorry. Because your fist is covering my favorite spot. <laughs> is your mouth. You have such a nice mouth and your teeth. You have beautiful teeth. Uh, your f- two front teeth are bigger in that bunny style, so they stand out in a cutesy way. And then you have the most perfect beauty mark. It's like a one in a billion under your right eye that a lot of people would wish they had something so special as a man with a mole and let's discern the difference between a mole and a beauty mark my mole is raised on my head uh, to a large extent and your beauty mark might be slightly raised but it's more or less let me touch it it's not raised at all i wouldn't if a blind person wouldn't even know you had it so you have the perfect smile and the perfect beauty mark. I have a piece of shit smile. So I really appreciate someone who has a beautiful smile. Well, I appreciate somebody mm. who has kind eyes oh, like nice. you. Yeah. If only we could combine, like take out your huge, bulgy, weird eyes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You have great well, eyes, hey, too. That's what the kids are for. Perfect little combination. Are they? Know? No, I hope okay, so. Okay, let's hope. But uh, okay, we're gonna end the podcast. I'm doing something different here. I'm going out on a limb. I am a desperate man begging you for iTunes ratings here. So, to entice you to leave a comment and a rating, I'm going to read our last comment that was just given to us the other day on iTunes. This is a review. The heading says, Alex and Shane are hilarious. I like that. I'm sure the body of this message is related in some way to the subject <laughs> heading. Okay, the body of the message. 
Dr. Cheryl Ziegler on episode 62 was particularly informative, not only for parents, but for everyone adjusting to and transitioning out of COVID. Thank you. Okay, not really related to us being <laughs> hilarious. That's not to say I do not like this message. I love this message because it gives us everything. It tells people that we're kind of funny. And then it says, yo, they also have awesome guests who have great information. And to be honest, I think the Cheryl Ziegler episode was one of our best. We got tons of feedback on that one. And I think since it's about mommy burnout and just burnout in general, I think everyone was needing that pod at that time. So if you haven't listened to it, highly recommend it. Uh, it says episode 62. It was actually episode 69. You know, I don't want to be the uh, the grammar police or anything here, but let's, let's get it accurate for the people. That being said, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree podcast. podcast. Episode 70.